Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Today we are talking all about cycle syncing, which is one of our favorite subjects and something that both Yasmin and I have incorporated into our lives, starting with our product, Seed Cycling, which is definitely falls into the category of cycle syncing. There are so many other ways that I've incorporated cycle syncing into my life. And it's basically honoring that if you are a woman, you might feel different depending on where you're at in your cycle. And there are certain things that you could do to honor those feelings. So for example, I know that on day, like let's say nine to about 16 of my cycle, I feel pretty good. And then after that, when I'm getting closer to my period, my energy starts to drop. I start to get a little bit more moody. I'm a little bit more introverted. And I just recognize those things and honor them. And I know that there's a time in my cycle where I can really push myself. For example, in my follicular phase and my ovulatory phase, I can really just go for it and push myself and do the hard workout and, you know, really try to like just do all nighters if I wanted to. Not that I do anymore, but that Damn, would be the time. <laughs> not, not that I do that anymore, but that would be the time. But there's also a time in my cycle where I need to just be a little bit more gentle with myself and give myself a little bit more grace and not be so hard on myself because in my luteal phase, I tend to be a little bit harder in myself and just recognizing like, hey, there's a hormonal shift going on here. Honor it, respect it, and you won't feel this way next week, for example. So I'm curious, Yasmin, what are some of the ways that cycle syncing has been incorporated into your life? Yeah, no, clearly we're all about cycle syncing. I think this might be like our second episode we've done where we've kind of gone into it. And, you know, you obviously mentioned seed cycling. That was the first time I really dived into like, oh, you can eat different things and it's going to be supportive at different parts of your cycle. And then the next thing was like exercise. And then the other thing was noticing mood. And I'm laughing because when you were kind of talking about, you know, on the second phase of your cycle after ovulation, how you get more moody. And I know yesterday I would just looked on my app. I was like, what day am I on? Clearly I'm on day 20. And I know yesterday, Kaya, we were chatting and yesterday was a very silly, but tough day for me. So what happened? It's funny because I tend to block things out, but something happened in the morning. I I can't remember whether it was like a meeting. Oh yeah, yeah. How can I forget? We had a podcast. Like every technical issue you could imagine happened. And also, Kay, I don't know if you noticed, but throughout the interview, my camera stopped working. So it was like live interview while kind of dealing with these like background technical difficulties, which is fine. You know, no big deal. We It always happens. But then after that, I was in an Uber where the Uber driver was essentially yelling at me. And then after that, gosh, something else happened. I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically it was like these silly things oh that gosh, were happening. Yes, you almost got like hit by a car. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I forgot. That's exactly what happened. Is I literally blocked it. <laughs> I literally (laughs) forgot. Yeah. So the Uber driver yells at me and then this guy literally zooms past me and genuinely missed me by an inch. So I was like very traumatized. It was back to back stressors. And I literally went into the kitchen and I just started like breaking down, crying. Okay. And I'm like, what is going on? My husband walks in. He's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I'm feeling just so emotional. And of course I'm on the second half of my cycle. I tend to be a little bit emotional. You know, logically it didn't make sense, but it was just a funny instance. And I think one of the biggest learnings that I've had with cycle syncing, similar to UK, is like, I try to give myself also some grace during that time and not pack my schedule. So, you know, we do so many podcasts, we have so many meetings, like I try to be mindful of not going hard from like, you know, in the morning to late afternoon, back to back, just because, you know, I feel a little bit more fragile. And I, I am someone that would never admit that in the past. I'm the type of person that's like, go, 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 you don't cry, everything is good. But you know, I'm really honoring how I feel and especially getting off birth control. Years ago, I feel like I've really tapped into how I feel and my emotions. So I'm rolling with it. So long way of saying cycle syncing is amazing. If you can really tune into what part you are in your cycle and the easiest way to do that is just to start tracking. Like so many people don't even track their periods. But yeah, that was my monologue about cycle syncing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, such valid and good points, Yasmin. 
the best way to understand how your cycle is affecting your body is to start tracking your cycle. And there's so many great apps out there. There's so many different tools that you can use to understand what's going on with your body. And once you really dial it in, it's such a superpower. And that's what we're talking about in today's episode with our very, very, very good friends, Dr. Tanda and Dr. Katie. They are the Soapbox Docs. They have a community where they host weekly talks and discussions on all things health. They share real experiences, raw stories, and the best knowledge to create a healthy you. They're both naturopathic doctors, and they are such lovely, kind, funny, amazing women that we love talking to about this very subject, about stress, about how to eat for your cycle, how to exercise for your cycle. We talk about so many things. It it really felt like just girlfriends getting to chat about menstrual health, which is amazing. So let's get into this episode. I think you're really going to love it. Okay, so I remember about 12, 11, 12 years ago when I first started dating my now husband was the first time in my life that I understood that I am not the same person every week. So (laughs) we were dating and one week I was like, man, he's being so doting. Everything is going great. I feel on top of the world. And then the next week he was working. He didn't respond to a text message immediately. And I was like, this is it. It's over. Like I was spiraling. And then the next day I got my period and I was like, what the heck was that? What just happened? And that was probably my first introduction into there are different phases of a woman's cycle and we are not quite the same in each one. So what are the phases of a woman's menstrual cycle and why why should we care about this? No, it's a great question. And I think it's like, unfortunately, we don't educate women about their bodies. And so it does take, you know, a, a situation like that where you become aware that you actually do shift depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle. And so we, the menstrual cycle, if we start like a 28 day cycle, roughly day one is the first day of bleeding. So if we split the the menstrual cycle into four phases, first phase would be bleeding. So that's actual menstruation where you're shedding that uterine lining. Then we move into after bleeding, but before ovulation. So let's call ovulations like the middle of that 28 day cycle. We have the follicular phase that is estrogen dominant. That is when we're running on estrogen and we are building up that follicle, getting ready to eventually ovulate. Then ovulation is, you know, roughly like three days where we release that follicle in the hopes of conception. We either conceive during that time, our sex drive increases, you know, to, to produce, to reproduce. Then we move into our luteal phase and our luteal phase, we're building up toward that, that next menstrual cycle, that next stage of bleeding. And then the the luteal phase, when the egg gets released at ovulation, we start to produce what's called progesterone. And progesterone is like, that's the hormone that we're running on in that, that latter half of that 28 day cycle. And depending on which hormone is running the show, we feel really differently. I mean, anybody that's had any kind of hormonal imbalance or has been on exogenous hormones in the form of birth control, like we know that we feel really different depending on where our hormones are at. And so that's where like physiological changes that happen within that, in those 28 days too. But it's like, depending on who's running the show, you feel really different. And kind of a fun way of dividing it into those four categories is thinking about it like the seasons. So there's spring, summer, fall, and winter. And in the springtime, what do you want to do? There's like a lot of growth. You want to come out. And then in the summertime, there's lots of play and you're super active. And then in the fall, you start to sort of hibernate. And then in the winter, you are in hibernation and just kind of want to go and close in on yourself. And so that is our 28-day cycle is we we actually go through okay I love that you said it's like it literally is like week to week you can feel so drastically different based on what Katie was saying it's like who's running the show what hormone is running the show and we can talk about that and then what phase you're in in a very short period of time can make you feel very very different growing up I always thought it was just divided into two phases right there's like pre-ovulation and post-ovulation and then, you know, going through medical school and then Katie and I really diving into really trying to understand uh, from a functional medicine standpoint, these phases and how they affect women when they are in balance and when they're out of balance, dividing them into those four categories really helps women understand, you know, week to week that you're going to be feeling differently. Yeah. And I think a lot of women too, it's like, like they really, it's just like bleeding or not bleeding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the extent of what a lot of women know about their body is you're either on your period or you're not. And yet in those three weeks that you're not on your period, that's actually the bulk of what's happening. It's really like the actual bleeding is 
is the minority of what's happening in that 28 days. And it's so crazy because I know all this and I track my period and there'll still be days where I'm like, why do I feel more overwhelmed and anxious? Like, hey, I'm going crazy. And then I look, I'm like, oh, I'm about to get my period. And then I feel a little bit better. So it's true. And now, you know, I want to honor kind of my schedule. I try not to go so hard on the second half just because energetically it doesn't feel right. I end up kind of burning out faster. So I just, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because for so long, I didn't even know this existed. And if you're able to kind of adjust your lifestyle to how you feel, it's like, that is our superpower as women. So I love that you guys talked about, you know, it really depends on what hormone is running the show. And I've heard both your guys' content around the way you talk about like estrogen, progesterone. So I'd love to maybe hear more about like, what are these hormones and like, when are they running the show and what can we take away from that? So I, I am an artist and I speak in images and, uh, and, and imagine things in images. And I also give things personality because I think I'm also an internal five-year-old. Um, That's why we so, love you. <laughs> so it's helped me and our, our clientele really understand, you know, within that 28 day cycle, who is running the show? What does that personality of that hormone want? So Katie and I came up with this analogy of like, imagine you're at a party, like a house party. And estrogen, she's outgoing. She is the extrovert. She's the party planner. She organizes everything. She's super fun to be around. She's social. Everyone loves her. And then there's her sister, progesterone. And progesterone is showing at the par- up at the party because her sister's there, basically. She's the introvert. She doesn't really want to socialize. She'd rather be at home, she- cuddled up with a book and a cup of tea. Like she's just not really, not about the party. Not at all. And then you have testosterone, who's kind of like the bro hanging out at the party, you know, every gets pretty much gets along with everybody. Then insert cortisol. Cortisol is not often talked about when we talk about female hormones and cortisol. So there's this house party of estrogens, the extrovert, progesterone's the introvert, testosterone's the bro that hangs out. And then the, and, and then cortisol, which is our stress hormone, which plays a huge role in hormone balance or imbalance. And cortisol's like the ex-boyfriend shows up, kind of shuts the party down. Nobody really wants him there. Progesterone will bounce out of the room. Like she does not like cortisol at all. She does not want to hang out. Testosterone will leave mostly and uh, estrogen will tolerate the ex-boyfriend. So this is when Katie and I are talking to our patients about stress management and how that affects the sex hormones. Cortisol has to come in and play a, and and be talked about because we're drinking out of a stress fire hose as I mean, we'll just talk about American females because that's mostly our clientele and, uh, and, and how in helping women balance these hormones where cortisol shows up. So, so say you're in the first, you know, while you're bleeding, estrogen and progesterone are actually pretty low, right? But then in that, in that follicular phase, so after you are finished with your cycle, well, how do you feel? Like you feel like good. <laughs> Most women feel really good in that second week. They're like, ready to party. They're like, there's, cause it's high in estrogen, right? So then you're there, there's that extrovert. You're sort of that party girl. You're like, want to go out and see people. And you, that's a really good time. We can talk about exercise, but it's a really good time to do like those hit workouts and like be a more extroverted. Well then when, you know, estrogen starts to slowly decline and progesterone and testosterone peak during ovulation and they're, everyone's kind of high, then that's when your sex drive is highest. Cause that's when, you know, if you are actually wanting to conceive, that's the best time to conceive because there's ovulation. And then after ovulation, that's when progesterone is at her highest. And so that's when we want to curl up under a blanket and drink tea and do more of that introverted behaviors. And so that's, again, I think it's, we're doing women a huge disservice. And yeah, and this is why I absolutely love what you're doing because educating women about their bodies and how to naturally follow these cycles, you can honor your hormones so beautifully. And unfortunately, because we are so stressed uh, and, and it's not that stress is bad because we have to have it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it's just that we're major dysregulation and dysfunction that is setting women's up, women up t- to go through their 28 day cycle with a lot of issues that we've labeled PMS, right? That's sort of the, the personalities, you know, imagine you're at the party, right? So again, First two weeks-ish is more extroverted. Second two weeks-ish is more introverted. That's just kind of a nice way of, of cal- you know, putting it in a calendar and, and mapping it out. 
Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. So we can actually live in a way to support these different hormones and honor them, right? So if we kind of push ourselves when our body doesn't want to be pushed or we don't take advantage of the times when our body's feeling really good, this can kind of throw us off balance. So let's hit the first one, which is exercise. How can we exercise in a way to support the fluctuation of these hormones? Yeah, so exercise, I mean, in medicine, we have these like positive stressors, right? Which in, in medicine, we'll call hormesis, which basically is like, it's like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So exercise is one of those. And it's a really good example of that. You go to the gym, you break down muscle fibers, which is stressful on the system to build back stronger. And in most cases, that's a, that's a positive thing. Like I think we would say a net positive gain from exercise. Where cortisol comes in is we can also increase our cortisol through exercise. And in, in the first half of our cycle, with when estrogen is running the show, because estrogen will tolerate cortisol, we can actually do the things like high intensity interval training or you know high intensity cardiovascular stuff. Like the thing that's gonna really make you kind of huff and puff or really kind of just spend a, an excess of energy and raise that cortisol, estrogen can handle that. So that's a really good time to do those kinds of workouts. And as we move along into our cycle and progesterone starts to run the show, progesterone actually raises our baseline level of cortisol. So just waking up in the morning, your level of cortisol when progesterone's you know, behind the wheel is already going to be higher. So your tolerance to add a, another stressor or more cortisol load to your system is going to be diminished because you're already running higher. So, and then we add on top of it, the progesterone is like, it's like a calming, relaxing hormone when it's in balance and when it's, you know, it's uh, working opposed to, to estrogen, when it's in adequate levels, like that really should be kind of a calming, like, I mean, I just think fall and winter is like such a great example for that. It's we want nourishing foods. We want slow mornings. We want long walks outside, maybe some yoga, you know, heavy, heavy lifting. I really love strength training, you know, not only because we know that muscle mass is the, is the you know currency of longevity, but also because you can, you can lift weights your entire cycle, right? It's like, if you want to just pick one thing that you can do always, lifting is, is a really great option. But in that second half of the cycle, when progesterone starts to take over, that's when we really want to do more slow. Like we don't want to do a lot of high intensity interval training. Again, we can still move our bodies. Moving our bodies is really important. I'm not saying don't work out, but just be mindful about the kinds and, and the, the kinds of movement that you're choosing and the intensity with which you're doing it. I love that. I remember when I was working out with a male trainer, we we're always doing weighted lunges each time. And there was a point where we were doing it and I was like, I just can't, I can't. And he was like, what's going on with you today? Like you got this usually. And I think this is such empowering information for women to know, because like, if you don't got it that day, it's okay. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. The next week you could be right back at it, but like, don't beat yourself up because in that moment I was like, yeah, he's right. I usually am on top of this. What's going on? And it was just that particular day in my cycle that I, you know, I just showed up and did my best, but it might not be look the same as when I'm in my follicular phase or my ovulatory phase. Which is such a good point, right? It's like we compare ourselves to men have a pretty steady, like testosterone is kind of like always doing its job for men. They don't, they don't ride this cycle that we do. And yet we try to compare or keep up or we have a male, male trainer who's not necessarily informed in that, but it's just being empowered to be like, you know what, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to take it easy today. I'm still going to show up, but I'm going to moderate, I'm going to modify what I'm going to do to best serve my needs and my body, not push against it. And that's the, I mean, in clinical practice, like the biggest thing that we see is low progesterone. And then we look at society and it's not surprising, right? It's like we live in this go, 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 like estrogen society, right? And estrogen can do really well in that, but progesterone just 
doesn't love that. And so she'll bounce. And so, so many women end up having low progesterone and then they experience all these things that we call PMS as they bump up against getting their, their period. And if we do what you said, it's like actually start to live and honor the rhythm of, of our being, progesterone can actually come back and start to do her job. I want to talk about that because progesterone is so important. We need it for, you know, fertility. We need it to get and stay pregnant and all of that. And like you said, there's a progesterone deficiency issue. What do you do with your clients? Like, what are the first steps that you take? Is there a point where you maybe bring in bioidentical hormones? Like, what does it look like? Because I think a lot of people are dealing with this. And this is where, you know, Katie and I went on a walk before this, and we were talking about just that, that, you know, if you go back to the the house party analogy, progesterone will leave if cortisol is around. And what Katie and I have still are practicing communicating to our clientele, and you'll see it on my social media, is the impact of stress. And most of the time when we ask our patients, you know, well, tell us about your stress level. And they're like, I'm not so stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed out. <laughs> And then I ask about their life. And, and I found that if we actually insert the word busy, like how busy are you? And they're like, oh, I don't breathe during the day. Like I wake up to an alarm, my feet hit the floor. I have to, I'm getting the kids ready before I, myself. I don't have to time. I don't have time to even poop. Like I barely have time to eat. I'm shoving a shake down my throat by the time I'm at the gym. And then I'm, then I run off to work. I haven't even showered yet. And then also had to pick up Susie Q from a train, you know, horseback riding lessons. I mean, they're going all day long. And this is a, say a 50, well, let's say pick on a 45 year old female, right? And then they come to us with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease and weight gain and fatigue and, uh, you know, some weird rash and digestive issues. And, but all their labs are quote unquote normal minus their thyroid, but they just know something's wrong. Something's off. And so then Katie and I will do labs, functional labs and look at their, uh, their sex hormones their blood sugar, their thyroid, and then their adrenal glands, which are the two glands that sit on top of your kidneys that are responsible for all sorts of things, but mainly your stress response and your blood sugar regulation and your sleep-wake cycle. And so what we see is typically very dysregulated cortisol, which then will push progesterone out of the picture. I mean, it then becomes a race between estrogen and cortisol. And estrogen, unfortunately, gets a bad rap, but she's doing her the best because she actually can hang out with cortisol. So she's trying to be as protective as possible. So then it just becomes this game of this estrogen cortisol race. And so the conversation with that Katie and I have is we don't focus on progesterone. Like, yes, you can do progesterone creams. And I've done that a hundred times. And then we do obviously seed cycling. We'll talk about that. But we really focus on stress management because it's not that we can erase, we can't take Susie Q out of her life. And what we can do is start to introduce stress management tools, but then also acknowledging where the tigers are. I was just going to say, you know, when we think about the stress response and in relation to our, our hormones, like it makes sense, right? If you are running from a tiger and you are concerned about survival and we're doing that for years and years and years on end, the body is not going to, it's like the name of the game is to conserve energy, right? And so like, imagine you have like a circuit breaker, you're going to turn a lot of things on and you're going to turn a lot of things off so that you can prioritize energy. So like blood sugar will raise, oxygen will head to your muscles, blood will head to your muscles. If you want to be able to fight or run from that tiger, then what gets turned off, right? Digestion gets turned off because we're not worried about digesting our food when we're trying to survive, right? It's just like, that's a waste of energy to the body. The other real big waste of energy is reproduction, right? We don't need that to survive. And honestly, why would we prioritize energy? That's a massive energy suck on the body to get pregnant and to build a life, right? It's like, so our stress response is not in alignment with our reproductive hormones because that's a really easy place to be like, we can save a lot of energy if we just shut that down. And so if you don't focus on who your tigers are, where your tigers are, when they show up and how you handle them, then it's going to be an uphill battle despite every supplement, despite everything that you try externally, because your body is biologically hardwired to protect you and to keep you alive. And your hormones just aren't prioritized. So when we run labs and we see where cortisol is at and that progesterone is in the tank, then we know why, right? And so then we can have that sometimes really challenging conversation with that female saying, you know, where, where are the tigers in your life? You know, and she's like, oh no, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm fine. Sometimes it takes some digging because we're so accustomed to running and being that quote unquote busy that that's just our new normal. And it's just not normal. The body is not designed to be running from these tigers, which could be your bank account. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be an environment. It could be, uh, I mean, family stress. It can be I mean, then the big ones like a death in a family. It could be a diagnosis. It could I mean, name it. But it also is the flame retardants in your couch, right? That's a stress on the body. It's the toxic water that we're drinking. It's, you know, I don't want to doomsday on any of this, but it's like all of the xenoestrogens that are in plastics, like that's a huge stress on the body. So some of the biggest stressors are blood sugar dysregulation, which I think 90% of us are metabolically unwell. Then sleep dysregulation, which that is one of the number one complaints that Katie and I see is insomnia. And then inflammation, which is our life, right? So we have, so we're going, and so just those alone will throw cortisol off enough to deep tank progesterone and then estrogen gets elevated. And so when Katie and I have, so what we've seen is that when we really acknowledge those, the boulders called the tigers, called those chronic stressors, the stressors that are happening, uh, and we start to slowly move those out of people's lives or give them tools to view them differently, think about them differently. You know, meditation is a great way. Movement is an, another really great one. Then, then we start to see cortisol levels regulate. But then, of course, as soon as cortisol, cortisol regulates, then progesterone can show back up again. There's so many thoughts that are going through my head with what you said. I love this because like you said, even, and I'm a culprit of this. If you're like, oh, how are your stress levels? I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm good. Like I'm usually happy go lucky most of the time until I, until my circuit breaker breaks, then I'm like, the world is ending. But I love that you reframed it and you were saying how busy you are because I think, and this is something I constantly work on is like having the awareness of what those tigers are. And even what's so interesting is that I wear an aura ring that kind of helps, you know, give me measurements of my sleep. And they just started this day stress metric. And what I find so interesting, just kind of, cause I'm learning, like, I feel okay, but like, why does my stress HRV kind of go up and down? And, and I was like, oh, okay. Like I had a meeting where we were talking about something specific, or I was with this person. And it, it, and like you said, it might not be that the stress is always bad. Sometimes it's positive stress. I was with someone and I'm hyped up and I'm excited, but then sometimes it's like, oh, this is a consistent conversation that keeps rallying me up. And you know, we all feel it, but we don't really sit and like think through it. But what I think is interesting going back to you asking like are you busy is if you can block off times where you can restore so if you are up and just you know go for that walk do that meditation like now it makes sense in my head because I'm like okay you're buzzing up here with your stress but you need to just block in some time to come back down because when people would say like yeah and just stop being stressed I'm like I love what I'm doing like I'm going and I kind of was like you don't know what you're talking about but if you can just be a little less busy and honor how you feel I think for me that helped a lot and I know I just like went off fully on my own no, channel, I love it. it's amazing and, and that's the thing. It's like, we're mammals. We have a stress response. We will get dysregulated. Like that's part of it. That's, and that's actually a good thing. Like if we didn't have any stress, our, like stress can be a positive thing. Like the, the hormesis that we were talking about earlier, it's like not all stress is bad, but when we get dysregulated and that could be a really, that could be a good thing, right? It could be like, you're excited about what you're doing and you're just like really passionate and you're spending a lot of time on this project, but having the skills to then downregulate, right? To then actually sit back into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest nervous system, get out of fight or flight. The, the goal is not to never be stressed or to you know have a perfect environment where your body never has to deal with anything. Like that's just not the reality of the world that we live in. But can we learn these techniques to actually come back into our bodies and come back down to earth? And this whole conversation with women in particular is like, that's the beauty of living with your cycle, right? Is knowing what you need, when you need it, how to take care of yourself and really live in alignment with what your body needs. And that just means learning and, you know, supplements and all of those things are a beautiful bridge to get there. It's just not necessarily the, the end all be all to health. Katie said something earlier that I just, it actually literally stopped me in my tracks. She was like, we have something built in a female's body that is a lift up the hood to see exactly what is going on with your stress response called our 28 day cycle. And if you, if you, if you are regulated and you are regular and you are not experiencing PMS and you do, are not ending up in, you know, having to eat 
a whole bottle of Advil before because your cramps are so bad or your breasts hurt so much or you're vomiting. Like if you are regulated within your cycle, guess what? Your stress response is probably regulated. Like you are probably doing a relatively good job of getting dysregulated, which is stressed, but then also coming back down into that parasympathetic. And yet if you are, we're just going to pick on the 28 day cycle. If you are struggling within that, 28 days, then I can probably guarantee you that there's dysregulation within the stress response. And so that's where, again, Katie and I don't necessarily focus on the female, like on the on the hormones, on like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, because we know that within the HPA axis, so it's the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the adrenal. So it's HPA axis. If you Google um, HPA axis dysregulation or dysfunction, and you read the description, it's 99% of females. And because what's happening is we're, we are perceiving tigers that could be a bank account. It could be that it could be a, a relationship. It could be the fact that you had to go to a meeting. It could be preparing for something like that. While you might not necessarily associate that with a stress, your body does, right? Your brain is saying, holy cow, we've got a tiger and your body can't differentiate a meeting from an actual tiger. It's the same thing. And so when, when we hear PMS, we hear um, fibroids, we hear polycystic ovarian syndrome, we hear um, cysts, we hear, you know, major um, like PMS flu, right? Like the period flus, then we know that where we're going to focus is actually that HPA access, because when we regulate that and we can help people understand when they are in that stress response and what's happening. And when they go into that parasympathetic, which is that rest and digest response, what's happening. And we can help people regulate and oscillate in between those two and understand where they're at. Then it ca the, ca the cascade just falls, right? It's like, we don't actually have to like supplement with progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone to get this person back in balance. If that makes sense. Like we may have to do that to palliate, but it's not cure. And honestly, like having a very challenging, honest, authentic, sometimes gut-wrenching conversation with yourself about where your tigers are, because they may be who's, they may be what's, and they may be where's. And those are some really big conversations. Like, who are you married to? Who are you in a relationship? You are the product of the five people that you surround yourself with. Who are those people? Are they people that lift you up and build you? Or are they, you know, really negative, right? And so I joke that when people start to work with us, they'll most likely get a friendectomy, a partnerectomy, a jobectomy, <laughs> or a, an environmentectomy, because otherwise they wouldn't have to find us, right? Like their lives would actually be in alignment. Something is out of alignment. And it's not an acai berry deficiency. It's not an Advil deficiency, right? <laughs> this is, there's something that's going on that there's a tiger that they haven't acknowledged or are too scared to. And so we dive in deep. I mean, this isn't, again, like, we can palliate until we're blue in the face and we do because we want people to feel better. But cure is actually acknowledging where you're out of alignment in your whole life. And that's, and then going back to the woman's cycles, like go, just being a female, such a beautiful gift. And yet we're so many of us are challenged and wishing our bodies differently. And that's where Katie and I hold people's hand to actually get in their body and love on it because she's your best friend and we often ignore it. I love that. We put a poll out the other day to our BIA community saying, um, we were asking them about their nervous system. A, my nervous system is totally jacked up. B, I don't know what a nervous system is. C, I'm good. Seven, over 70% of people said my nervous system is totally jacked up. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, I think another, another tiger that we're not talking about as much these days, but is very present, you know, speaking of HRV, I remember I was just scrolling scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok, looking at all the world's news, looking at everything that's happening. And I, my heart was like racing and my stress response was just like through the roof. And I think, you know, we women especially are so sensitive. We're so empathetic. We're caregivers. We naturally just want to protect the world and protect, protect people. But I think another big source of stress that, you know, I'm wondering how you bring this into your patient's life is like social media, technology, being dialed in all day long. And then the second that I step outside and get into nature, I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit more grounded. But I know for me in particular, like my nervous system is probably jacked up just because I'm constantly like in this news cycle, in this news loop and taking on whatever's going on in the world. I thank you so much for talking about this and bringing this up because... Um, 
I joke with my patients that you're only allowed to binge on certain things and nature is one of them, right? <laughs> Social media binging, Netflix binging, we get to talk about that because the question is, first of all, why are you doing it, right? So there's all sorts of avoidant behavior that we have, um, overt addictions to, again, let's go back to those tigers. Like a lot of our survival um, mechanisms and belief patterns were formed between the ages of zero and 10. And so here we are now running around at 45 years old and you're still people pleasing and you still are, are abandoning yourself. You still have boundary issues. And then, you know, you've found yourself in a 20 year marriage that you may or may not be psyched about and, but you're justifying it all. And then one way to numb out, to, to actually not be in your body, to feel that level of pain and discomfort and dysregulation is scrolling on social media, but then what's on social media, right? It's like all sorts of comparison conversations. It's news conversations. So we, again, again, is there, people are going to be like, I never want to work with Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, we have to have real conversations about like, how are you spending your time? You're telling me you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, but here you are binging on social media and numbing out, but then your heart rate goes up because you're staring at, you know, whatever, whatever on social. And so you know, that's, again, it's Katie and I are so like fiercely dedicated to the why, why is your body doing what it's doing? Why are you, why is your brain numbing out on social? What is that doing to your physiology? Because our thoughts will trigger. I mean, if you're interested in how thoughts become things, look at Gabor Mate. I mean, he is just a rock star when it comes to understanding that the psychoneuroimmunology, which is a real study of how our thoughts will trigger hormone release and I mean, if you close your eyes and you think about standing in front of, you know, a thousand people, because that's what actually a human's biggest fear is public speaking. That is number one fear of all humans is to public speak. So close your eyes. If you have a fear of that, close your eyes. You'll feel your heart rate go up, right? And so our thoughts will trigger a physiological response. And so does you bet. So does social media scrolling on that. What movies are you choosing to watch? Are you watching the news? And so what Katie and I will do is dive into people's lives to see where where and how are those stress responses coming from? And if you're watching, you know, kittens and puppies on social, like have at it. Like, that's amazing. Like if your social media feed like makes you laugh, have at it. That's, you know, and you know, obviously like there's boundaries around social media, but um, okay. I love that you brought that up because you're only allowed to binge on things that, that feed our nervous system in a really beautiful way, like nature. I mean, I, I love the term nature binging because it works. And, you know, we grew up, we are designed, we, we evolved under the sun, we evolved outside, we evolved to move our body, we evolved to eat food from the earth, we evolved to drink pure water, we evolved to be in community, we evolved to love and connect. And unfortunately, lots of those have been severed and or drastically hindered, which is affecting our physiology, which is affecting our hormones, and then we want to take supplements and and medicate and that is palliation that is not cure so yes that was a really long-winded way of saying yeah social media plays a huge role in stress <laughs> i i literally said to yasmin yesterday i think we're meant to live outside and we just messed it up exactly right it's exactly right and the cool part though is is like actually getting aware of this is like not to doomsday it's there's so much you can do right it's like to pick one thing, if that's more time outside, if that's purifying your water, if that's taking a supplement to like actually just help you feel better in the interim so that you can get the energy to do some of these other things. Like if it's meditation, it's like pick one thing. Like there's so much that we're not doing and that's kind of a cool, it's like we can look at that as a negative thing or we can look at that as a really positive thing. If you've exhausted the entire toolbox and you still feel like crap, like that's a hard place to get to, right? That's like, what do I do next? But if you're not there, just like pick sleep, pick movement, pick fresh air, like start somewhere. There's so much to do. There's so much to heal. And like, and, and our bodies want to. So if we get out of the way, our bodies will do what it, it's designed to do, which is to heal. Yeah. We, um, in the coaching with our patients, because it can be really overwhelming, not knowing where to start. Yeah. And, um, and then there's like, you scroll on TikTok, there's like 18 people saying 18 different things about how to heal your hormones or how to heal, you know, your gut or whatever it is. So it can be really overwhelming. So what Katie and I will coach is going back to the basics of human health, which is what 
it's eating food, movement, because we're designed to move. We're made of like hinges and pulleys and levers. I joke that like, if you see a cow, God did not design cows to move. God designed cows to eat. They have four, <laughs> they have four bloody stomachs. And like, how often do you see cows like frolicking in the field? Like, you don't, they're eating. They spend like 13 hours a day eating. And humans are designed to move. Like we really are. And to think. And so, um, so movement and then breathing. I, I was saying to a patient the other day, it's so sad to me that we have not utilized our lungs the way we, I'm going to should on you, that we should, because it's a free organ of detox. Breathing's free. And it is one of the best ways to detox your body and to also connect with your, with your uh, immune system, with your lymphatic system, with nervous your heart, system. with your nervous system. You can regulate your vagus nerve with breath. And so breathing is number three, then hydration. So drinking water. Um, we're also a huge fan of electrolytes uh, just because we're so depleted. Um, and then elimination, right? So any way, how the ways that your body eliminates supporting that. So pooping, urinating, breathing, sweating. Crying. Like, crying is a really <laughs> great way. That is actually one of the best eliminatory organs mm -hmm. that is usually shut down. Oh, I'm, how many times have you apologized when you start crying yeah. or have you seen people do that? Um, so we really encourage people to cry. <laughs> it's like a really, really healthy way to eliminate and then sleep. Sleep is the master dial. Yeah. If I could pick one thing for humans to do really, really well, it would be sleep. And that's in total darkness for anywhere from seven to nine hours, depending on you. And then uh, staying regulated around it. So it's going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. And no matter what on the, and doing that on the weekends. And there are actually studies are now showing that, uh, it's actually the regulation that is probably more healing than actual time. So, so going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time is more powerful than the amount of hours that you're sleeping. So holding your seat, sleep, super sacred, and then play play is something that we've unfortunately forgot a lot about as yeah. the adulting happens. Um, so it's coaching around those things and then having our patients pick one to be fierce about, like be fierce around your sleep, like hold that so sacred or be fierce around food. And by that is like whatever diet, the, the least restricted diet that they can possibly manage um, filled with whole foods. And then, uh, or it's hydration. Like they promise to drink half their body weight in ounces of water plus uh, electrolytes each day. So it's, it's just going back to what is it to be a human and make up a human in, I mean, Kay, you just said it perfectly. It's like, I think we were supposed to evolve outside. Like you're supposed to be outside more. Like, yes, that is the correct statement. Yes. And we're designed to move more. I mean, movement is another really good one. Um, and it doesn't mean hitting the gym at 5 a.m. It could be just walking. Walking is the number one movement associated with longevity. Just walk. And it's free yep. outside of the shoes, but yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, this is why I love you guys so much because we're passionate about this. Like, how do we go back to the basics? Because it could be really overwhelming to do this diet, do this and that. And it's like, let's just talk about the pillars and work on one thing. Like for me, it was sleep. I realized I wasn't sleeping for so many of my years and my youth. And now I'm very diligent. And then obviously eating whole foods was big for me. And now one thing that I'm, you know, transparently working on is movement. So even for me being in this world, like I'm still working on these different pillars, but it can just be so foundational. So I love that you guys are like going back to the basics and so much of it is like free, like breath work, going outside movement. So I love that. And I know we're all very passionate about food, you know, obviously with us, you know, we have a seed cycling protocol that changed my life and kind of opened my eyes to using food as medicine. Cause I didn't even know that existed, but how do you guys think about food and just supporting you know, yourself throughout your cycle. Yeah. Uh, food is a really beautiful way to support yourself throughout your cycle. I mean, the, like our digestion is the seat of health, right? So that's where everything begins. All of the things that you get to build your lungs and build your heart and build your hormones and build your neurotransmitters that starts in the gut that starts from what you're actually putting in your mouth. And, you know, and then, you know, linking that back to the, to the menstrual cycle, depending on whether it's estrogen or progesterone running the show your metabolism will change within that 28 day cycle. So in the first half of your 28 day cycle, when estrogen 
is in charge, your metabolism actually naturally will slow down. You'll become more satiated on lighter meals. You won't need as many calories. You might find that, you know, that could sometimes be, um, uh, if someone's interested in fasting, that would be definitely the time to do it, not in the latter half of the cycle. Then as we move into that, that latter half, we're building up for menstruation. And menstruation, it's, it takes a lot of energy to do that. We actually need, I think it's about like 300 extra calories in that, in that time period. So our appetite will increase our metabolism, just our, our basal metabolic rate. So that's just like how many calories does it take if you were to lay in your bed and not move all day long just to keep you alive? That actually goes up because our body is using it. It's using more energy. So our, our metabolism goes up. We need more food. But what also happens in that, that second half of the cycle is, you know, our resting cortisol will raise. It also makes us slightly more insulin resistant. So our blood sugar is more prone to dysregulation in that second half of the cycle. So not that you can't have carbohydrates, but making sure that you're really prioritizing protein and fat to keep your blood sugar stable. It will also help with the, you know, some of the mood dysregulation that we can see in the, those days leading up to our period. And so I, but always focusing on whole foods, right? It's like, again, going back to the basics of human health, like Cheerios haven't been around for very long, but other foods that come from the earth have been, and our body does really well with that. So prioritizing whole foods, foods that are nutrient dense, um, cruciferous vegetables are another really great one for uh, uh, hormonal balance just because they help the liver detox. What else? Oh, f- I, I mean, mean, fat is another fat really is big one. one. Yeah. So fatty fish, um, I mean, eggs, avocados, I'm just trying to yeah. think like actual, and then obviously avoiding inflammatory foods and as much as you can. And again, we understand life happens, but you know, things, gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, sometimes those things, not sometimes those things are inflammatory. And um, so the, the least we can tr- trigger this inflammatory response then, cause that also is the stress response. Yeah. Um, and we can take care of ourselves through food. Fermented food is another really great one yeah. to, uh, introduce. Um, you know, Katie and I are a huge fan of gut health and, you know, we've been, t- I've been giving probiotics for so long. Um, but now I'm actually really switching most of my patients to focusing more on fermented foods and actually the prebiotics. So all the veg, every vegetable and fruit under the sun, mm-hmm. um, obviously eating like this can be a little overwhelming for people, but we really try and eat with the seasons as much as we can. So now we're coming into fall. It's like eating more of the cruciferous vegetables, cabbage, root vegetables, like yams, sweet potatoes and potatoes and squashes and those kinds of things, but things that are really high in polyphenols and antioxidants and, but fat and protein specifically for females is we are deficient period. And Katie and I I just did a post yesterday on social media. It's kind of a joke that we're coming up with the the prioritizing protein diets. Like we just, we really need, we as women need more protein. And uh, as Katie said earlier in the, in the talk is you know, pro, uh, muscle mass is the currency of longevity. And so we really, with our, our clientele, uh, encourage, uh, weightlifting resistance training and higher protein diets because we need to build muscle and, uh, because that will also help the blood sugar dysregulation and our metabolic health, which I just said, 90% of us are not metabolically well. So that will also help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that, and I think also just like not fearing fat. I think we're starting to see that less and less. Um, but I think there's still we did ourselves a really big disservice in that fat-free craze because these these sex hormones are made from cholesterol. Like we have to consume fat to be able to make them. So if we're not making them and you're doing all the other things, like really looking at the sources of fat, and not all fat is created equal, but focusing on things like you know, grass-fed butter and tallow and lard and, you know, ghee and olive olive oil oil and avocado oil, like these healthy fats, nuts and seeds. I mean, that's why Bia is so beautiful because it's actually healing that, that fat um, precursor to our, to our hormones. And that's why it's so powerful for people, but focusing on protein and fat in particular. I love this. My new thing is 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. It's changed my life. I just heard about this for the first time. I do it before my workout and I just make so much better choices throughout the day when I'm like, when I get that protein and that good fat and fiber in the morning. So I'm all about this conversation. I'm curious, you know, when you work with people, they have no cycle 
or they have irregular cycles. They maybe get their period sometimes, they don't get their period other times, or they just haven't got their period in in a year. Can living in a cycle syncing way support getting your period back? What are the steps to take there? Yeah. So, I mean, you guys know better than anyone. It's follow the moon, right? So the moon has the 28-day cycle. If you are not in a 28-day cycle or you're irregular or kind of have sporadic, uh, if you have no cycle or have sporadic cycles, leaning on that and trying to mimic it the best that you can. So seed cycling is is one of our favorite ways to help people learn how to do that and to to live by those phases of the moon. Um, And I always always mess this up. It's new moon to full moon mimics that estrogen pathway. So the first day of the new moon till the full moon, that's like the first 14 days of your cycle. So that's that estrogen cycle. And then uh, full moon to the next new moon. That would be your second half of the cycle. And so really trying to use a lot of the tools that we've been talking about you know, in the last 45 minutes is mimic that, but with the moon. And what will happen is you'll start to give your body the cues and doing all that foundational work. You know, it's like focusing on sleep, focusing on movement, focusing on stress, like moving some of those barriers that your body might be bumping up against when it tries to get you back onto and into rhythm because your body wants to, right? The other thing is like, you know, working with a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath to get to the root cause of like what's actually going on, like where, where is your body getting blocked? And so that we can, you know, go back and do that testing for more of an individualized approach, but everyone can go back and live the basics of human health. They can start to, you know, honor if I should be making estrogen, then I can, I can work out in that way. I can do that during that, that first moon phase. And then in the second moon phase, I'll try and give my body the cues that it's time to, time to menstruate. It's so crazy. I'm sure you guys see this a lot, but Kea and I, even with our customers or even people that I personally know who are going through perimenopause and, you know, we give them seed cycling, they shift, they're kind of doing all the foundational things that you are mentioning, sleep, movement, prioritizing protein, fat, blood sugar, balancing, all the things. And they genuinely get their regular periods. And we joke, we're like, we are taking women out of perimenopause. Like, don't quote us, but I see it all the time. So whatever people's like, when people, whenever people are like, oh, my periods are irregular. I hate this. I was in the elevator the other day and I was talking about a podcast I was about to do on perimenopause. And this woman was like, oh, it's the worst. And, and I'm like, you like, there's so much you can do, you know? And that's why we're all so passionate about like getting these conversations out because I think women think I'm doomed. It's, I heard my mom struggled. He was bad. Now it's just my turn. Oh my God. But really these like foundational things, I have just seen so many women reverse those symptoms. It's, pretty incredible. Oh my gosh. When we can help women get their period back, it's like a celebration. (laughs) Best feeling in the world. It is. Absolutely. Well, and that's again, going back to the stress response, because when, if you think about, you know, we spend X amount of years not menstruating, then we go through puberty and then we spend X amount of years menstruating. And then we start to make the shift. The ovaries have been in charge for those, say, 30, 40 years, right? The ovaries have been the ones primarily making the sex hormones. And when the ovaries peace out, they exit stage left, and they don't actually really tell anybody about it. They just kind of leave. Then the only other ones really that are up to the job to make the sex hormones, to make that woman feel like a normal human are the adrenal glands. Meanwhile, the adrenal glands have been spending that 53 years dealing with a stress response and all of the drinking out of the stress fire hose that we have just been talking about. And so then when the woman goes through menopause, perimenopause and into menopause, and the ovaries are like, okay, bye. Then the adrenals are like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I can't take this job on. Like, I I don't want anything to do with having to make sex hormones because first of all, we're not reproducing. So it's not a priority. But, and while estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone play a huge role in other ways in the body, it's not just about reproduction, but they just cannot prioritize. They've been spending so many years dealing with the chronic stress that we've been under that by the time the woman turns 53 years old, the adrenals are like, I'm sorry, just fine. Not up for the job, sorry. And so that's where when women come to us in their 30s and 40s, we prioritize adrenal support along with seed cycling and the those the sex hormone support but really focusing on the adrenal glands and the thyroid because those two are going to be continuing to run the show the ovaries get a break right they just peace out and so um again a lot of this just boils that back down to going back to the basics of human health staying regulated as much as you can in that in that vagus nerve in that parasympathetic that rest and digest state and how do you get there it's those lifestyle hacks right that's deep breathing 
that's med that's uh, meditation. It's sleep. It's eating real food. It's humming is actually a really great way to stimulate the vagus nerve. Gargling is a great way to stimulate the vagus nerve. Um, Cold water immersion. So even just dunking your face in ice water, or if you're brave enough to do the, the ice baths, that's another great way to do, um, to stimulate the vagus nerve too, which will, it's like a biohack, right? It's like to mm -hmm. actually to stimulate the nerve to get you into the parasympathetic nervous system. Because we've all been there. We sit down to, to meditate and we're buzzing. It's like, I could be, I could be hovering above, above the sea. I don't want to meditate. I can't even access it. So how do we bridge that gap? It's through things like this. It's just like trying to stimulate the, the, the biochemistry and then we'll work on, you know, the mental, emotional piece of things. So again, it's like, I think humans are really talented at putting things in boxes and wanting things to be linear. Our bodies are not that. It's just not as simple to say like, oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, then Z, Y, and X will happen in the, in the physiology, because we're also dealing with a mental, emotional body, a spiritual body, a physical body. And so that's where, what Katie was saying is like getting individualized medicine, either it's from a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor, where they can put all of those pieces together because the endocrine system is a, a, an intricate web that we still do not 100% understand and how it's connected to our gut and how our gut is I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast about the gut microbiome and like how everything is so intimately connected. I love how you guys focus so much on stress because that's such a big part of the puzzle. And I'm laughing because tomorrow morning, my husband's going to see me humming and dunking my face in. <laughs> be like, What's, what are you doing? What's going on today? <laughs> um, you, you both had an interesting video actually recently where you talked about there's so many nutrients and so many supplements that make a, a powerful difference in our lives. But you talked about like, what is the one that you would give to everyone? And I think you both had different responses, but I'd love to hear. I know magnesium came up in there and Yasmin and I just launched a magnesium product. So I'd love to talk about like, why is magnesium so powerful, especially because we're talking about stress? Magnesium plays a role in over 600 enzymatic reactions in the body. It is the most used mineral in the body. And I think something 83% of us are uh, deficient. And there's all sorts of different kinds of magnesium. And so when, when Katie and I asked each other, okay, if you could add one supplement for all humans, what would it be? My answer was magnesium. Yours was? It was a just a trace mineral, like take magnesium and then add all the other stuff. It was like all the zinc and the selenium and the molybdenum. Like, and like basically like, the same answer. Yeah, basically the same answer. And then the other one was vitamin D. Vitamin D. For sure. You know, and it comes back to the demand on our body, right? Our body is actually going to use more of these nutrients, these trace minerals and, and vitamins because we're stressed out because, you know, our body's like up against a lot of things that we come in contact with things that our body's trying to detox or eliminate. And so we're going to be using these things way more. And then unfortunately, our soil's depleted. So we're not getting as much as we used to. We're using more than we used to. And then it's like, you know, bringing gut health into the picture is how much are you actually absorbing too. So we're really deficient and minerals, I think it's just, it's one of the hardest ones to get just because our soil has been so depleted and magnesium is lumped in with that. And they're just, they're so critical to these, like the, as a, a coenzyme to have these biochemical reactions happen in the body, we lean on them, we need them. And so people can be feeling and they can be doing all the things and eating all the things, right? I think it, I think it was um, they had studied the amount of vitamin C in oranges and our like grandparents' generation would have had to have one orange to get the amount of vitamin C. And we have to eat eight oranges to get the amount of vitamin C. And that's just vitamin C, but it, you know, same goes for magnesium, same goes for zinc, same goes for selenium because of modern day farming practices, you could be eating the perfect diet and still not getting enough. Yeah. So bridging the gap, I mean, how I, again, with imagery, uh, you know, our food and lifestyle gets us to like, you know, to our, our neck area of our, what we need, but how do you bridge the gap? How do you get all the, all, how do you fill the body with everything that it needs? And we just, Katie and I found, we just actually, I, mean, I know Dr. Mark Hyman talks about this too. And Chris Kresser talks about this too. Like we have to bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. And so we have to supplement. And yeah. so, you know, coming up with just a really basic, you know, if somebody just wants to go to the basics, then it's, you know, a good multivitamin, um, and then magnesium for sure. Um, omega-3 is another one that we are depleted in. And then vitamin D, D is in dog. 
I haven't seen anyone who's not supplementing having a normal lab value. And I've tested hundreds of people. I've never seen normal without supplementation. Then B vitamins, B as in boy, because a lot of the specifically uh, birth control pills will actually deplete our bodies. A lot of um, uh, pharmaceutical drugs will deplete our body from the Bs. Again, B as in boy. So getting a good B complex, but then making sure that that's, I would just say everyone needs to be on an activated B because we don't methylate well, which is detox very well. So if you get an active B, then that's already methylated. So your body can actually use it. It's more bioavailable. And then eating a whole foods diet. I mean, we just can't, I know that sounds so generic and I wish there was a better way of saying that, but it's like, if it came from the earth, your body recognizes it. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is doing things like castor oil packs, seed cycling, like, I mean, all of these other dry skin brushing, apple cider vinegar, all these other things that we can do to really help our bodies um, fill up and make sure that we're gaining as much, getting as much nutrients as possible, uh, or just some of the other things that we suggest for, for our patients and sort of our clientele. But, and that being said, if it was one thing, it would be magnesium. And it was ironic that you, I did, we did that. And then I literally got your box that day <laughs> of the magnesium. So anyway, great minds think alike. No, totally. Well, Tanya and Katie, I mean, Kay and I always say this, but you're like, patients are so lucky. We're so excited that you both were with us today. We're going to be sharing all your information in our show notes, but thank you for spending the time with us and sharing all your words of wisdom. This was so much fun. We love you so much. It's been such a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.